This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. It's Thursday afternoon and it's Voice of Change time with myself, Lauren Jacobs. And it's Radio K Pulpit, your favorite daily companion. Yes, I know that you love us all out here on K Pulpit. And I hope that you've been having an incredibly awesome afternoon. I know that the last week and a half has seen many different things happening in our nation. And I read an interesting statistic just this week that said there has been an increase of by 1,500% of South Africans who are now applying and who have started applying in the last week to immigrate and to leave the country. It was so interesting to read that and to see that the events of the last week and a half Of course, the events we're talking about are the looting and the violence and the things that we have borne witness to, how deeply this has impacted us. And of course, it it has impacted us. It is a very traumatic reality that we have seen. And it is something that we are still thinking about, something that we are still grieving over and something that we are still trying to process through. And that is why, you know, often we have that implication to really want to leave and we understand that as well and as people i pray that we are really really you know kind of dealing with things with grace grace for ourselves empathy for ourselves empathy and grace for our loved ones who have been affected people who are really struggling during this time people who have lost loved ones people who have lost their jobs And I know that when we talk about something like this and when we consider what's happened in our nation, there's so many perspectives, so many voices, so many, you know, what ifs as well. And also so many different theories, so many different realities. Yet there are, you know, still us sitting waiting for answers. Sometimes there's feelings of betrayal from those who are in power or questions of why. But today on Voice of Change, I really want to just come alongside you wherever you find yourself at. Or maybe you're fine. Maybe you're just good. And I celebrate that today as well because God is good and he's always, always, always on the throne. And we know this and he is in control of our lives and he is in control of the destiny of our nation. Especially as we keep on seeking him and keeping on praying. And there's been such a wonderful outpouring of prayer in this time and videos I'm sure that you yourself have seen of people praying and, you know, of centers praying and shops, people working in shops praying and people praying in the middle of of violence and looting. And it's been so powerful to witness prayers at hospitals, prayers everywhere. And we are so grateful for this. And the children of God need to shine bright in this time. But we also know that we, that, you know, we can be in a space where We can be real with where we are, real with all of the things we feel. And today on the show, I have an incredibly wonderful guest, clinical psychologist, Lusanda Sebukulu. Now, she is a clinical psychologist with Psyched, 
and that's spelled S-Y-K-E-D, which is an online wellness company that provides clients with access to a virtual practice with mental health practitioners in the comfort and privacy of their own homes. And you know what? Also about dealing with and speaking about mental health and destigmatizing it in our community so that people know and understand that we can get help for the times in our lives when we are struggling, the seasons that we go through that are tough. We can get help for, you know, our mental health struggles. And during this time period, as we as a nation begin to rebuild, that is a word that I'm seeing a lot of, and it's a word that we are getting used to seeing in this time. Almost immediately after the chaos and the dust had just slightly begun to settle, we've been seeing people talking about, you know, rebuild, and we will rebuild. And it's so important. And at that time, we rebuild also by being restored and also by looking, you know, if we take a physical environment, for example, we see a factory that's possibly being burned, we begin to clean it up, we begin to sweep, we begin to take away the debris, we begin to look at the damage and we begin to be there with it. And so too, we can do the same with our emotions and with our thoughts. And that's what we're going to be talking about on the show today. Lusanda is going to be giving us some tools on how to be there for our children during this time of post-social unrest where we have problems, you know, where we're feeling maybe some heart palpitations or some anxiety, sometimes jumpiness when you hear a loud noise or things that you just begin to experience. We have been through some trauma and we're still processing it. But when we look at it and we are real with it, we know that we can totally overcome and give ourselves grace to be in it. And you know what? We will be okay again. So Lysanda is with us. She has some great tools to share as a psychologist today. So I'm so grateful to have her because we know that psychologist's time is very, very valuable. And so today, be with me on the show, be present with us and just learn and take some tools on board. If you are feeling unsettled or you're worried even about someone else who they, they themselves may be unsettled. So welcome to Voice of Change. It's going to be a good one. Enjoy some music and we'll be back with Lusanda after this. You're with me, Lauren Jacobs, here on Voice of Change. And today I'm joined by clinical psychologist Lusanda. And we are talking about, you know what, the things that have been happening over the past week and a half, but also how this has affected us, how it has affected our children, and also how we can learn to cope and, you know, truly walk through a space of healing and just have empathy for ourselves as well. And Lysander, that's something that I really wanted to touch on. You know, post-traumatic stress, we know that that happens. We see it obviously on a personal level when we ourselves go through individual trauma. Right now, we are seeing trauma collectively, you know, communities affected by trauma, a nation affected by what has been happening. Is post-traumatic stress something that people are going to be dealing with now or even maybe already dealing with and how do we cope with that all right um when it comes to post-traumatic stress it will definitely be there and um it will manifest in different ways um, that's the important thing for, I think that I should just mention mm. uh, because your response versus mine is not going to be the same um, because our responses will be informed by who we are, what have we been exposed to, what are the emotional resources that we have, you know, inside. Does it trigger anything from our past? Because now what is going to happen is 
this is also going to trigger trauma that was already there for some individuals, Mm. you know, over and above those who are now going to experience new emotions that they've never had before. We're going to see it, um, anxiety levels are skyrocketing through the roof, Mm. you know, um, there's this, you know, fear, there is this loss to one's sense of safety, uh, you know, there's going to be startled responses that we're going to be seeing in individuals, mm. you know, it will be different emotions and experiences and responses. So what does a person do at this point in time? The first is to acknowledge that they are experiencing it, whatever it may be in terms mm. of the symptoms. Um, it is to not mask the fact that I am scared. So the first point of departure would be acknowledge that you are experiencing the emotion, you are having the thought. Talk to someone, someone that you trust, of course. Mm. Whilst you are doing all of that, because you are just still trying to make sense, because this might be a new experience for many, whilst you're still trying to make sense of this, learn to create boundaries for yourself and with yourself. What does that speak to? It speaks to an individual limiting their media consumption. Hmm. Choose what you want to watch. If it means you take a social media detox, Hmm. if it means that you do not watch the news on TV or listen to the news on radio, perhaps don't. If it's for one day, for that one hour, whatever works for you as an individual, and that is setting boundaries for yourself. And also having that self-awareness to know and feel when whatever it is that you're consuming in terms of, you know, news um, starts to get to you. Be able to, to know the signs. If you start having palpitations, you start getting fidgety, you start to worry then that's your body signaling to you that you need to stop, switch off. Do not be afraid to switch off. Mm. Mm. Admit that right now, we encourage, what do you do as well? Learn relaxation techniques, you Mm. know, take deep breaths, meditate if you can, do something that helps you to keep calm, visualize a peaceful place, something that generally gives you a sense of peace, And also admit to the fact that as much as there is a lot that we can't control as a nation right now, Hmm. but there is certain things that we can still control. So in other words, we are not as helpless as we think that we are. We are helpless when it comes to certain things. So when you start listing the things out, you start to realize that actually I could still decide to do this. Think back to what it is that has you as an individual, you know, uh, previously enjoyed doing. Hmm. Do that. You may not necessarily feel like doing it right now, but just try. Because when you do that, what it does is it diverts your mind away from all of these feelings that unsettle you, everything that is happening around you. It just helps you to ground yourself in the present moment. So do the small things. The small things will lead to bigger changes, but with time. And that is why I also mentioned earlier on, have empathy for yourself. And that means be kind to yourself. 
Mm. Understand that you feel the way that you do because something has happened, not because you are weak. Yes. Because that's another thing. People who often um, are in control, who are used to, you know, doing things and planning and things um, come out successfully, in this instance, are going to be left with feelings of blame that I could have done something. Mm. And when those types of thoughts come, it's important that you have that conversation with yourself. What could you have done differently? And when you realize that, no, this was really beyond you, that in itself will help you to come down from all of these feelings of self-blame, the guilt, and the feelings of being disempowered. So it is important that you do that. And at the same time, forgive yourself. Because sometimes after something has happened, we often go back and think, if only I could have gone back to my shop at the mall and taken a few items, I could have saved certain things. But the reality is, at the time, you responded in a way that was significant and that was relevant to the context at the time. Perhaps you realized that it was not going to be safe. So that is why you did not do it. So blaming yourself will not necessarily help. Instead, a person can actually appreciate more than anything else and commend themselves hmm. for keeping themselves safe. Hmm, yeah. And on the other side, I understand there is grief. Hmm. Many are going to grieve at this point in time because we grieve not only the loss of a life. Some have lost loved ones. Some have heard of people they know who have passed on, who've lost their lives. We need to grieve. We also need to grieve by virtue of losing the freedom to do certain things for that period. Mm. As long as there's been a loss, it has to be grieved. It has to be acknowledged. It has to be processed. We can't just ignore it. The fact that some have lost their job. Some have, have already received that type of communication. There's got to be grief that happens mm. there. Mm. Wow. That is so true as well, because I think that having that empathy for yourself and, you know, having that grace for yourself and like you say, that forgiveness as well, this is so important during this time. And I wanted to, I, I can't believe the time has gone so quickly that we are almost at an end of this conversation that we are having, Lysander, it's crazy. I really wanted to ask you, you know, in closing today, firstly, I wanted to say thank you for sharing and for giving us so much tools out of every single thing that you have to give to us today. This has been so informative. But I also wanted to ask you if you have a message of hope, a message of something that's maybe in your heart today for, you know, everyone in South Africa, people have been affected by this in through every walk of life and regardless of where we are situated so many people have just been so so impacted you know in so many ways that they're going to have to we have to pick ourselves up is there a message of hope is there a message of positivity of goodness that you can share with us today do you believe that there is hope even in this time absolutely um the first thing would be we need to acknowledge that there is pain. We need to acknowledge that our normal as we knew it was disrupted. Mm. And therefore, we need to afford ourselves that opportunity to process, 
plan afresh. Because now we now need to rewrite. We now need to start anew. And that will take time. So what I'm saying is we need to be patient with ourselves. Mm. We are resilient as a nation, by the way. Mm. And we are actually more resilient than we can ever acknowledge. It is just that right now, because we are still going through the pain, it feels like it's just dark. Mm. But as a nation, we've triumphed over, you know, other tragedies. And that is telling of our capabilities. We Mm. can, but with small steps. We just need to start with small steps where we are kind to ourselves and kind to each other. And also acknowledge the painful fact that we've got unanswered questions. Hmm. As unanswered as they are, we do still have answers for certain things. And that is why we have seen, you know, some communities clubbing together to start cleaning malls. So do the little that you can. And as I said earlier, you are not as helpless, as hopeless as you thought you were. What can you do in Cape Town? Call that relative of yours who is in Durban. You know, schedule those video calls where you just check in on them. When you do that, you're making a difference. When you do that, you're actually making someone else feel better. So check up on loved ones. Pass messages of positivity on social media. Don't spread the negative narratives. They're there, we know them. How about you become the one who posts a message of hope? Hmm. That is something that you can do even far off, you know, from where all of this has happened. Outside of donating for those who've got the material resources to donate, each of us has got something that we can do. So essentially, I'm confirming that we are not as helpless as we thought we are. Mm, I love that. And on that, Lysander, I want to say thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for being a voice during this time and for really being alongside so many of us and for just sharing with us. And again, like we're saying also to those who are listening, we can acknowledge that this is a time where we are in this pain and that we do have this grief and we can be real and we can know that we are resilient and that we will overcome. And Lysander, thank you for being here. And I just wish you all the best with the incredible work that you were doing with Psyched, with all the work that you were doing with mental health and destigmatizing mental health in our communities and just being a real powerful voice of change in, you know, this complete amazing area of psychology. Thank you. And thank you for being here on the show today. Thank you, Lauren. And take care. Bye-bye. All right, cheers, bye. Joining me on Voice of Change today, Lusanda, and it is such a pleasure, Lusanda, to have you with me. I know that we are going to, and I keep saying it to you off air, that we're going to have such a wonderful conversation, but this is also going to be a very meaningful time and also a time that South Africans can really draw from. So before we get into that, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Lauren, and um, a, a greeting to your listeners. Now, it's... You know, I was actually out and about today uh, in one of the malls and I was chatting to some of the people I regularly see, you know, like people at the coffee shop or people at the pharmacy or wherever. And everybody was talking about the past week or so, you know, the past week Mm -hmm. and a bit with everything that's been happening, you know, last week, the looting, the violence, 
especially I gather that it has affected people who work in malls, even here in Cape Town, you know, though the violence wasn't particularly in maybe our malls here, people are experiencing shockwaves and fear and a lot of questions and a lot of emotions. And I think it's so important to be touching on, you know, what are people experiencing and how is this affecting people? And specifically, you as a clinical psychologist have such insight into this. And I really wanted to start off with asking you, you know, what are, let's talk about not the people that I met today, but the people who actually have been, what I would say, spatially affected people in Durban, people in these areas who were there when the social unrest was happening. You know, a lot of people were maybe affected in many different ways. It could be the the big things like losing a loved one or being in a place where there was violence and you've been exposed to that or, you know, affected by not having food or affected by your families being afraid. What do you, you believe and what would people really be experiencing now? What is these common responses that we actually have when we have been exposed to something like social unrest and also hearing a lot of things, seeing the footage what are people going through right now and how can they really give themselves a little bit of grace to know that, you know, we will experience things right now. We've been through something quite big. Mm, yeah. You know, um, Lauren, it's been a difficult period um, for those who were directly impacted, those who are in Durban who may not necessarily have been directly impacted. Either way, it's been a traumatic experience Right now, for someone who is um, currently working on recovering from this experience that is over, but not yet over, mm. and I say over because we have not heard anything. I haven't checked the news today, but I haven't heard anything today. However, not over for them because I understand as they drive around the city in the different areas, in the suburbs, what they're finding is um Along the road, um, there is burnt vehicles. There is a lot of physical evidence, you know, just to remind them of what has happened. And that in itself is traumatic to see, to listen to the narratives being shared by their relatives, shared by their neighbours um, who may not necessarily, you know, who, or rather who would have been um, affected in some way. So it, it it's really like, you know, the feeling that you get... Um, when you wake up from a nightmare before you actually realize that it was actually a nightmare. Mm. You know, that frightful yeah. sense that you have, those feelings, the fear, the despair. I, I believe that's where they are right now. It still feels surreal, I imagine. And mm. um, those that I have spoken to, um, you know, talk of how shocked they were, how they did not believe that it was actually happening, mm. um, how helpless they felt how powerless, and for some, it was hopelessness, especially those who were in those areas where they directly witnessed um, these incidents as they were happening. And then for the, for the other group as well, who may not necessarily have witnessed, but who were impacted when they had to now go shopping, um, and they found that there was nothing in the shops or for those that were saved from this. And um, at the same time, those who were able to 
do the shopping that they wanted to do, of course, um, with those limitations that were stipulated. Now, I am told that some had to be in the shops for hours, Mm. um, as in waiting, because there were queues, because everyone was at the shops, you know, there was panic buying, and rightfully so, you know, if you look at the context. We are not necessarily saying it was the best decisions, but we can understand because there is a response to the fear that they had from everything that was happening. And another another thing that I believe most people would be experiencing right now is a feeling of being disempowered Hmm. Um, because the sense of uh, control over their lives that they had was taken away. Um, this frustration about potential job losses, you know, even if that has not necessarily been communicated to certain individuals, but we are preempting that up to a certain extent, there will be businesses that will be affected, especially those businesses that may not necessarily have had insurance. So there are people sitting at home right now who are worried, do I still have a job? When are we going to get a call? There are managers who are continuously getting calls, who are feeling helpless because their subordinates are, are continuously calling to check. Meanwhile, they are also waiting on their bosses as well. Now, and also on another level is here, um, individuals saw all of this, you know, did their best. Mm. Then they also have children. Mm. So there was the stress around, how do I protect my child? How far, you know, do I expose my child? Um, everyone was stuck at home, um, you know, immobile because of what was happening out there. And a lot of conversations were happening in households. Yeah. Frustration, you know, was shared. And some of that frustration may have been shared in front of the children. Mm. So there is now parents who are sitting guilty in the aftermath of you know, I had shared so much of my frustration and my fears in front of my kids. Mm. So right now, people are in limbo. And that's a big thing that, that you're touching on there as well with children. As I know that an acquaintance mm. of mine was sharing that, you know, she was trying to be calm in front of her two young girls her two young daughters because exactly like you're saying children looking at you you know hearing a little bit about what's going on and you know she said that they could actually hear shooting in their neighborhood so children Mm -hmm. looking at you and, and looking at this and going you know how is mommy or daddy responding and then she said that she would you know try and be very calm for them and try and take their mind off things but she wasn't sleeping at night you know she would stay awake because of the uncertainty mm. and what was happening and i think that we don't realize the intensity of of all of these things you know and i think that one of the things that i want to touch on here is while we are beginning to talk about children how now because it's post violence we are still in limbo we still want to know what is the outcome what's going to happen you know what's going to happen the outcome like you mentioned as well the jobs what is going to happen you know we heard the president saying last week they're going doing these investigations rounding up people that are responsible we haven't heard anything on that yet we probably will so there is kind of that situation where we're waiting but now post social un- unrest you know we're saying hopefully things are died down everything's been okay for a few days 
how do we help our children? What coping skills or tools do we give to them now to help them psychologically and emotionally be okay after everything that we've just witnessed? You know, when it comes to children, um, I always say the the best policy is honesty. But honesty in this regard is um, honesty about the facts. Hmm. Um, When I say honesty about the facts, um, they've got questions. Hmm. And therefore, they deserve the answers that are honest. With that being said, though, the manner in which we communicate those facts, those truths, needs to be age appropriate. So what a parent would say to their nine-year-old would not be the same as what they would say um, to their 16-year-old who's already in high school, who has mm. got a understanding, who is doing economics at school and who has a, you know, a, a more broader understanding of the impact of all of this. So there is certain conversations that you would have with your eight-year-old and there's certain conversations that you would have with the 16-year-old. And as they ask questions, meaning allow them that opportunity to ask, mm-hmm. allow them the opportunity to share their thoughts, whatever those thoughts are, whatever their fears are, because the fears are there. And those fears are not going to go away just because we say to them, and um, this is from last week, nothing is happening anymore. Yeah. This, is, has, this has been a traumatic experience. And one thing that we know about trauma is that it lingers on for a while. So um, there's got to be that um, acceptance on the part of the parent to say, you know what, he or she, my daughter, my son, will experience this for as long as, you know, their minds um, allow them to. And yours as a parent is just to be present when they express their frustration and they will ask a lot of questions. Even after parent has answered, they will still ask more questions. And so patience comes in, empathy comes in, where parents um, are encouraged to be empathic with themselves and also empathic with their children. And I say with themselves in this instance because they will also get frustrated because they've got their own opinions, they've got their own feelings, Mm -hmm. which they still need to now manage when they are dealing, you know, when they are responding to their children. And I know it's quite tempting when we're frustrated to just blurt out, you know, what we are thinking. Mm. And in this regard, I would say parents um, would rather benefit from reserving their frustration for their peers Mm. who can actually understand the experience in its full magnitude. Because for a child, they would not necessarily be able to fully understand And what a parent does now and does not do also sets the tone for the child to now learn as to how we respond when there is, um, you know, incidents that are trauma-inducing. So as we are responding as parents, we are also teaching. We are also teaching tools. You know, we're giving tools to our children on how they are to respond. So if parents do just like the person that you were speaking about who's you know who tried to be calm hmm. in front of the kids that's the best that you can do because what you are actually actually teaching them is to be in control of their emotions hmm. but not to say that emotions must be denied they are present they must be acknowledged they must be dealt with but they must be managed you hmm. know um another important thing is i always say 
when something has happened that is um, traumatic, something that um, changes, you know, the, the the stability within one's environment, it is important that when it comes to children, we afford them familiarity because children thrive when they environment they are in is consistent and is predictable. So the children's routine should be managed and should be left as is, as consistent as, as it has always been in the past, regardless of what is happening externally. That means whatever was their playtime, whatever was their rest time, whatever was their eating time must remain. And I say this, of course, with the sensitivity of understanding that perhaps there may be households right now who will not necessarily have the same privileges that they had before. Hmm. But as best as parents can, it is encouraged that when it's eating time, granted perhaps the meals may have may have to change in terms of what it is that we're eating, but as best as we can, let's ensure that we give them healthy meals. Hmm. Let's afford them that play time. Let us afford them that rest time, hmm. you know, so hmm. that they don't, because, you know, it makes them feel unsafe when things are changing out there, they are hearing gunshots. They are seeing police yeah. in the street. You know, they are seeing um, the parents watching the news. You know, that is all stuff that is unfamiliar and that is unsafe for them. So more than anything else, what I'm communicating here is that parents should do best amidst their fears because they are there. But just to ensure that the space at home that can be controlled is as kept as safe and as consistent as it can possibly be. Hmm. That is so powerful. That, those are such powerful realities that you're sharing with us because we know that structure, that routine, that familiarity brings in that sense of calm. And I think that that is really, really such a powerful reality that we need to consider and think of. It's given me some food for thought as well as we're having just now having this conversation. And so I want us to take a really, really quick break. We're going to have a really quick song break, but we don't want you to go anywhere because when we get back, Lisanda and I are going to be sharing about what you as an adult can do right now, you know, your tools that you can have in your little hand, if I can say it like that, in your heart and in your mind to be able to, you know, deal with everything that we have been exposed to over the last week and a half. So don't go anywhere. We'll see you when we get back. I'm sure we've learned so much today and been inspired so much today. And it is so true that we are a people who are incredibly resilient. And on one hand, we've had to be resilient because of all the things that we've been through. But on the other hand, I believe it is our God gift that he has blessed us with to really overcome and to be resilient. I want to take this time as we draw to a close of the show today. I've loved being on the show today. I've loved learning and knowing that we can be with one another. We can be empathetic to one another. We can show kindness and we can we can really just show love for ourselves and for others. But I really want to take this time today to just tell you that there is always hope. And we know that the word of God says that we have this hope as the anchor for our soul. And that hope is Jesus. That hope is the anchor. And he knows what we have been through. He knows what we are going through. And he doesn't want us to be, you know, rushing ourselves through this process of healing and mourning. He wants us to be present with everything. And he wants to be present with us in it. And so we invite him into that space today as a nation and as a people 
so that we can learn how he wants us to overcome, so that we can learn how he wants us to be, but so that we can also learn what he wants us to do in this time period. And my prayer today is that he will help us be the people he has created us to be and that we will rebuild, but we will rebuild on a better foundation, one whose cornerstone is the living Messiah, one whose chief cornerstone is the one who was, who is, and who is still coming. And I pray that we will be able to build strong and firm foundations in the root who is our Messiah. And I pray today that if you're experiencing any form of anxiety, that you will give yourself empathy and that you will have the comfort of heaven with you today. I pray that if you're feeling unsettled in yourself, that the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and guidance to know why you feel that way. I pray today that if you are feeling unsure of your future and maybe you are one of those who are considering leaving, I pray that God's grace and peace will lead and guide your decision and that he himself will lead and guide what you decide to do with your future, whether it's going or staying, may it be led by the King of Kings. I pray that we will not make emotional decisions during this time or, you know, decisions based on theories or or any kind of division of fear, but that we will be truly led by him and that we will also be able to exercise what he shares with us. And that is the forgiveness that we need to have in our hearts, not only towards ourselves, but to others. And when we forgive and we process, we know that we can be real in all of this. And when it's tough, we can say it's tough. And when it's good, we can say it's good. And when we overcome, we can have that overcoming with full joy. And so, you know what? It's been such a blessing to be on the show with you today. And I pray that, you know what? God's grace and peace will go with you, before you, behind you, close you in, behind and before, and that he will truly be with your family. It's been so great to be with you. If you, I was asked before I end the show today, I was asked last week, how do people listen back to the show? Because last week I was talking about financial literacy for children. Everyone wanted to hear it again. Don't forget, you can go on over to capepulpit.co.za, click on the podcast link the tab and then go to voice of change and all of these shows are there and so this one will be there as well if you need to share this with somebody maybe they need a, you know a few tools today so go on over kpulpit.co.za until next week cannot wait to be with you and invite some really great guests to kick off the upcoming women's month with you and so until then may god bless you this insert was brought to you by radio k pulpit 7 to 9 a.m Please visit kpulpit.co.za.